Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. And if you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. This show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is the only training app with well over 5,000 training videos to cover all the major skill areas. Kids love the fact that the average video is less than five minutes, has frequent rest breaks, every video is 100% follow along. Parents love the fact that they have a one-stop shop to help the child get better. And coaches and club directors love the fact that we offer free onboarding. The cost is less than $5 per player for over 5,000 training videos. They can create teams and see that the kids are doing it and their kids get better. And everyone loves the fact that it's absolutely free to join. And you get a lot of great free content forever. And upgrades are less than a dinner for two for individuals. All right, so let's get on with the show. This is going to be a quick show, another response to a listener question. I love these uh, questions. I love when you guys ask questions. I love any responses. So I love when you call me an idiot. I like anything. It just lets me know someone is actually listening to this stuff, even if they don't agree. And I try, I'm going to try to get back to folks as quickly as I can on, on the listener question. And as you know by now, most of the things that I think about and the reasons that I do, um, some of the stuff I do has a simple reason, right? So I'm going to try to get to the simple answer, but then there's broader and more nuanced contextual uh, stuff that I try to throw in there. Because I think as a parent trainer speaking to another parent trainer, it would be negligent of me to simply give the simple answer without the broader context of how I was thinking about it. Because when I share how I think about it, that gives you an opportunity to share how you think about it. And then we learn from that. And in addition to that, those folks who are not bought into the parent trainer movement, uh, it's, it, I think it can be helpful for them to get some a nuanced perspective that we don't often see in mainstream uh, youth soccer parenting publications or outlets or in the social media space. So that's what we're gonna do today. So here's the question. Neil, in the recent podcast I listened to, you mentioned that you taught your boys the decision-making algorithm. If you receive the ball wide, go center. If you receive the ball in the middle, go wide, et cetera, et cetera. You mentioned that you practiced the concept in the backyard until it clicked. How did you practice it? Any specific drills? All right, so let's uh, let's deal with this. All right, so um, first of all, let me give you the short answer. The short answer is, <laughs> it really is not, I didn't do anything amazing. I basically, I did do stuff that I'm going to tell you, but it's really not, it's, it, it, I just didn't think it was, it was so common sense to me that if I was going to become frustrated at a coach or a club system, it was so common sense to me that I thought they should be teaching it. So in other words, I don't have some grandiose plan that it's hard that it's so common sense to me. So as a matter of fact, I'm going to share a 
secret video uh, audio that I just took of my teenagers asking him his impression so, uh, and what he remembered about it. So the short answer is this. I would, number one, on the way to games when, when my sons were really young, I did have them repeat the mantra of if you get the ball in the middle, where does it go? Wide. If you get the ball wide, where does it go? In the middle. If you receive the ball in the middle and there's no space uh, wide in front of you, whatever, where's 100% of the time there's space uh, behind you. And we repeated that mantra over and over in the car, right? Just a couple, couple of minutes, we repeat that mantra until they got it, right? It's almost like learning your lines before you get ready to go to a play. That's number one. Then in the backyard, I would have one of my sons on one end, you know, wide, and another one, I would, and then one of them would be in the middle, and then I would be wide. And we'd pass out passing the ball and think about it. So no specific drill, passing the ball and talk about it. Okay. Then I did coach them in a recreational environment. And you don't need to coach kids in a recreational environment to do this, but this is what I did, where I put lanes on the outside of the fields in our scrimmages, and I had two safety players there. And then the goalkeepers were always safety players. And what I meant, mean by that is kids could not take the ball from the keeper, and kids could not take the ball from the two kids on the outside running the channels. I'm going to get to a podcast where I talk about how do you um, work with kids of different skill areas. Well, these safety areas, the two wide channels and the goalkeeper were great places to put kids who had less experience or skill because one of the first things I teach kids from a tactical perspective is to relax. And so when they receive the ball and the other kids can't take it, now you know the other kids are going to be crowding around them and offering some, you know, kids are kids, right? So the person would feel the pressure, and I would just say, hey, just relax. They can't take the ball from you. Just relax. They can't take the ball from you. And then once they got comfortable with that, then I might say, hey, you got three seconds before they take the ball from you. So that kind of stuff. And if I didn't have a kid that would play key, play keeper, I would use myself or another adult parent who would be keeper because the kids couldn't really take the ball from us until they get about 10. Then they start taking the ball from you all the time. And then, so then what I was demonstrating to them is you all, you know, if you pass the ball back you and get into space, that's safe in most cases. And if you pass the ball wide to these wide players, that's safe. So, so those are the, those are the, that's specifically what I did. I just, it was no specific drill. Um, it was more like passing the ball and talking about it. And then it was um, when I was in these free play, when I did clinics or rec, I love these constraint-based games. There are many of them. This is just the one I'm choosing right now that encourage the kids to get the ball wide or pass it back and reset. Uh, you know, you can throw in there, they got to get a certain amount of passes or each wide player has to touch the ball. That also helps. So that's the short answer. Again, I just talked to him about it a lot. We had a mantra in the car to help them remember it. I may have written it out on paper and showed them as well. I may have done that, but you know, you can do that. I may have written it out on paper. Um, and then, uh, I did a little bit of it in the, in the, uh, 
clinics. And there's one more thing when I get to the, when I do review at the very end of the podcast, where I'll tell you a few other things I think I might say, but that was, that was the gist of it. There's a, a few more. I'll give a full list at the very end. All right. So, so that's the specifics, specifically the things I did. But as a parent trainer adding nuance, how did I think about this? How did I think about this? Well, the first thing you have to remember is this falls squarely into the tactical awareness camp. And I've talked about this in many podcasts where I, whether it's tactical or deaf or technical, but definitely tactical, um, with my sons, I, I just focus on one or two broad themes per season, right? Because I saw very early on, they were getting a lot of instructions from their coaches, um, they would be getting some instructions from parents. They would be getting instructions for all, for lack of a better term, from players. They're they're absorbing a lot of information, and I and so I did not want to overwhelm them. I also understood that kids don't particularly want to hear from their parents, and they definitely don't want to hear a litany of things they need to do to improve. And I knew that um, just from my personal experience, from my professional experience, experience that if you get the big drivers of change correct, correct, that will be a catalyst to other improvements. Um, and it's better to focus on those big rocks than worry so much about every little thing. And finally, I knew we had a long runway, right? So if every season or every other season, you, you can improve one or two big areas, whew, over 10, 10 years, that's 20 areas, right? 20 areas of your game. And that's what you're focused on. Not, not as they get older on what they're focused on or what the coach is working with them on. I'm saying you, if you can offer intervention of one or two areas per season, I mean, you're in double digit improvement every year, right? And I did see that. So my first tip is if this is going to be your thing, then don't over crap, don't overwhelm them with a lot of information. Because I, I preached this for at least a year uh, before it really sunk in with my sons. My next point is I didn't throw this on them in isolation. Now, we talked about some of the things I did with them um, in the backyard. But in addition to that, and this is going to be Captain Obvious, you know me by now, but I helped them become ridiculously technical. Because if they're not really technical and the game is not moving slowly for them, um, then this could overwhelm them because they don't have the skill set to execute or things are moving so fast. So I didn't spring this on my sons out of nowhere in isolation. Uh, I, I did help them become really, really technical. Having said that, un these understandings, you don't have to be technical to do this, but oftentimes I see parents uh, say things to their kids or want, they almost like magic, they want their kids to improve and see things but at the same time, um, they don't invest the time to help them with that. So I did, I did help them become ridiculously technical. And it's within this context, I understood they had the skill level and the aptitude to handle this additional um, ask. The next thing is, you know, I, I had a, I, I had a broader idea of how I believe the game should be played. And that was from me watching youth soccer. 
I had no concept of this before. Again, one of the reasons why I think I get a little frustrated sometimes, because this is just me watching. I'm watching it. I'm comparing it to my basketball experience, comparing it to life. I'm like, okay, I can see this. So one overarching belief I had is we want to get the ball in space to our attacking players, ideally, our most creative players. I kind of understood that success hinged on getting the ball in space to our most creative and attacking players. In other words, getting the ball in space where we create a qualitative advantage where that person can can deal with this person and get by this person and score or whatever they're going to do, or a quantitative advantage, getting the ball in space where we have numbers. I kind of saw that. I didn't think about it so crystal clearly like that, but I did see that. And so when I talk about the algorithm of getting the ball wide and all this kind of stuff, I'm not talking really specifically about getting the ball wide or you get the ball in the middle, uh, you get it wide or you get it wide, you get in the middle. I really am saying, I really would, I'm really saying to my sons, um, you really need to be able to get the ball into space. This is, this is a very important fundamental concept in any team-based sport, but definitely soccer. The ball and the mind should move faster than the body. We want to get the ball in space. But the thing about it is when you're talking to kids or anyone for that matter, getting the ball in space is too subjective they don't, what does that even mean, right? It's too subjective. And how do I know that they're, how do they know? How do I know that they're doing it at a level that's uh, expected? And so I had to come up with some kind of tangible way of explaining this to them. Again, not driving them crazy. And so they could understand it. And so that we could quote unquote measure it and see if they're getting better at it. So that's how the algorithm came. And so what that looked like in game situations, because again, you're going back to how did you enforce this? Well, for my older son, not so much for my younger one, because he he already had a roadmap from his older brother, right? But for my older son, I would uh, I would measure it. I would get a piece of paper out and I would watch this while he's doing his games. I would, you know, I, I talked about this in a, a podcast a long ago, but I would make a note, a number, hey, how many times do you get the ball wide or how many times do you get the ball in the middle? You know, basically, how many times do you follow the algorithm? And uh, how many times do you switch to field? That's another part. So if you get the ball in the middle, most likely the space is wide on the other end. How many times do you do these kinds of things? So I did a podcast on that. Maybe I'll rehash that one. But the bottom line is I could measure it. And so then he would know we would be able to count how many times he was able to do this. And this then reinforced that behavior. But remember that algorithm was just a a pattern recognition, those were pattern recognition training wheels. In other words, it's going into the situation saying, you're probably going to see these patterns. And even if you don't see these patterns at the moment, just assume those patterns exist and 95% of the time you're going to be right. So even if you don't, just assume they exist. So even if you don't see the right back streaming down the right, 
just turn right and look to pass because 95% of the time that right back or that right wing player is going to be there. And so I recognized this pattern and said, okay, this is a simple pattern. This is a common pattern. Uh, let's go ahead and, and tick this box so that you're aware. And then I believe that by them uh, acting on this pattern, they would begin to see the pattern unfold in the way I'm, I was able to see it as an adult watching, right? And as an adult with ex adult experiences. Then we go back to the meta, the meta uh, level of me understanding how the system works. And I quickly saw that despite what the coaches said on social media, on the blogosphere, all this kind of stuff about they want creative players who dribble, dribble, dribble. But despite that, there were some animal spirits at play, some irrational spirits at play, some human spirits at play that they may or may not have been aware of. What do I mean by that? I began to see that they rewarded players either in their body language, their accolades, whatever their re responses, who were able to get the ball into space. I saw this. I saw that they rewarded players who, instead of trying to dribble past three people and lose the ball, just turned around and made the simple pass back and then got it back wide in space. I began to see that getting the ball to players in space built trust among the other players, right? So your teammates held you in higher esteem. And I began to see that had an impact. So your coach held you in higher esteem, gave you more responsibility, all right? Um, uh, and your teammates held you in higher esteem and trusted you more, right? Because you were getting them the ball in space. I saw that everybody loved coaching a player who, understood this and playing with the player who understood this. And I saw that the other parents love the watch a player who understood at a very early age, it's not all about me, let me get the ball in space. And you're passing the ball to their loved one in a space that allows their loved one, their child to be successful. I begin to see that this, uh, that this was very good and had some very, uh, had some advantages. And then in a very counterintuitive way, I began to see that if you were able to get the ball in space first, early on, you were gonna be given, your child would be given more opportunities to take on players in 1v1, 1v2 situations, right? The, it's almost like, um, you build a bond with somebody first and then you ask them for uh, a favor. So if you have the coach trusting you and the other parents trusting you and the players trusting you and they see that you're getting the ball to these players in space, you're not making easy situations difficult, then, then you're going to um, you're gonna have more of a license to take on players, number one. And those players who get that you get the ball in space too will start getting you the ball, your player. I keep saying you, but you get the point. Your player, the ball back in space where they can um, take on players. And finally, if your player can, if you can contribute, and I got to do a podcast on this as well, to your team keeping the ball longer and taking the ball faster, that mathematically produces more opportunities for you to take on players and be creative 
in the way that our coaches tend to tout. So I began to see that. So I threw a lot at you. I started off with a concept that said, all right, I recognize the players, um, the teams and players need to get the ball in space to their attacking players, either with a qualitative advantage or a numerical advantage. I begin to see that. But this would be too difficult for my son to understand. He's only seven and eight. So I broke it down into a language that he understood. Get the ball wide, get the ball in the middle, this kind of thing. But this was not, like you said, this is an algorithm. So it it dumbed down the decision-making for him at the moment. But this was not out of the blue. This was a pattern that I recognized by watching them play that I said, oh, this pattern is going to hold true in most cases. And then um, and then that, that then started the feedback loop from the coaches, the parents, and the other players. Now, many of our coaches will then say, well, yeah, but you're creating quote-unquote robots. And my answer to that is, number, here's a couple of things. If telling you something, right, made you a robot, then, you know, again, I can't say this enough, all the professional soccer players and all the professional football players and all the professional basketball players, they would all be MVPs because the people watching them, the coaches and the staff, know exactly what they want the player to do. There is no question in their mind they have spent 20, 30, 40 years developing um, a style of play that they want the player to do. These are professional grown men and women telling other professional grown men and women, in this situation, this is exactly what I want you to do. And if you do this exact thing, you, uh, I'm gonna be happy. And these other professionals struggle with that. So it's ridiculously hard to create a robot. People have spent um, um, decades in, of their career trying to figure out how do I standardize the behavior of my players? So just forget that. You're not gonna, it doesn't work that way. I understand what they're, they're saying. You can create someone, you can, you can create an environment where someone feels uncomfortable to do something that's not conventional but that takes a lot of work and it actually has to come more so and when they talk about this they're really saying it comes more from the from the coach so like like during the game kid does something and the coach hammers them you know blah 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 then you'll make someone fearful i don't know if you'll make them quote unquote robotic you'll make them fearful right or you know i can kind of see like uh, they they someone doesn't understand the risk reward uh calculation so they're in front of goal or near goal they have a 1v1 they're still trying to maybe make some kind of pass to to make the risk even less instead of taking the person on and that kind of stuff i can kind of see that but what i'm basically saying is you pointing out a pattern to your child and practicing the pattern with your child and explaining to your child this is sort of what i'm seeing this is a universal truth, truth, get the ball in space. And here's a simple rule to help you think about that. It's not going to result in rope and rope will most likely not result in someone becoming a robot in the way that is commonly touted. I don't know. I have to do a show on that because I did do one show on that, but I, 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 I understand that comes from a good place, but I think, I think we're confusing a few things there.
All right. So now moving on. I think I'm done. Okay. So, yeah. So let me just recap as much as I can the tips. Number one, it was a mantra that my kids did in the car. It was a mantra that we worked on in the backyard in very simple terms, right? But it's under the umbrella of the fact that I focused on one or two major themes per season, and we constantly repeated those. The next thing is um, I did make sure that they were technical, and they were technical enough to handle this additional thing that they had to think about. The next thing is I saw that the coaches, parents, and players rewarded players who understood that they needed to get the ball in space. They under, they, they awarded players who under play, who players who managed the risk reward uh, calculation um, effectively. Parents rewarded players who passed the ball to their kids. And because of that, trust was built among the coaches and players and parents that bolstered my child's confidence and gave him more of a license to do all those other things that people talk about on social media, such as dribbling past players being creative. And in addition to that, mathematically, if my child, who was one piece of the probability um, tree, was able to keep the ball longer and take the ball faster, that increased the probability of the team keeping the ball longer and taking the ball faster which then increased my child's probability of having opportunities to do all of that creativity and dribbling and all that kind of stuff that we talk about. The next thing is, and I didn't mention this, is we did watch a lot of soccer. And so I did take the opportunity while watching the game. If I saw this pattern, I would um, pause the TV and ask, or I might pause the TV even before I saw it, because again, it's 95% of the time. And I say, when the midfielder gets the ball, so let's say Bruno gets the ball, what do you think he's going to do? What What do you think he's going to do? And they will say, oh, dad, he's probably going to get it wide. Again, 90% of the time he gets it wide, right? So I did watch a lot of TV with them to do that. And then I um, also had them, and I didn't do this intentionally for this, but in retrospect, I know it was helpful. In addition to free playing with kids their own age, they also free play with adults. So even though I didn't play soccer and I don't play soccer, I made it a point to join free play groups for within the Latin community, Latin American community and the African community. And I would take my sons and they would free play with other adults because adults understand this. And when a kid free plays with adults, adults typically don't just slide, tackle them and take the ball even though in the African community they do at times. So they free play with adults and they learn these patterns as well because, uh, as well because the adults were helping them out in a fun way. And then, um, and then there's one more thing to that. As my sons got that then pattern, I would add on things. Like I talked about switching the field, but another thing I added on, which um, we did measure at one point was like their, his ability to break lines. So his ability to pierce defenders so even though you're going forward, right, and you're not maybe not going exactly wide, are you able to pierce defenders? That was another big one. So you constantly add things on. And, and so in summary, I mean, not in summary, but in conclusion, during the games, I might say to my son, this is way back in the day. And again, this is not a recommendation. This is just what I do. 
uh, hey, the first three times you get the ball, I really want you to get the ball. If you're playing in the middle, the first three times you touch the ball, I really want you to get it wide. After that, I don't care what you do. First three times you touch the ball, I really, the first five times you touch the ball, I really want you to get the ball wide. And two of the times I, I want you to switch the field. After that, I'm done. You don't have to do anything. And if I am guilty of reminding him something during the game, I had a little signal. That's what I would remind him of because he wouldn't remember. So right before the game, I would remind him, okay, Adam, the first five times, I want you switching the field or, or getting the ball wide. And then the same thing with through balls. I never, quote, unquote, reminded him of that, but I did um, measure that for him and let him know, man, you were able to get three or four through balls uh, this game. Now, I didn't harp on that long because it gets old, but I did do that. If I'm trying to be as completely transparent as I can, I did do that as it relates to his game. And why do I keep on harping on trying to be intellectually transparent? We're going to get into that because I don't, and I mentioned this in another podcast, I don't want to get up here and tell y'all something. <laughs> if I Look, I'm an open book. I don't want to get up here and tell y'all, paint a picture that I did something in some politically correct way that resulted in the young kids and that you see in these videos, because I didn't. It was a lot of things that I would not say in polite company. I talked to them before the games. This is the deal. This is what I want you to think about. I cooled it off after the games. I didn't worry too much about it. That's why I used the, the county. And once they got it, I didn't have to measure it anymore. My younger son has a different personality than my older son. So therefore, I don't go there with him as much. But because he has an older brother and he was in those same car rides with his older brother, he kind of understands the mission. So... Uh, it is what it is. I will say this. I'm rambling, but I did do this. With my old younger son, after one of his games, after every, not after everybody left, but while everybody, while we were there, uh, and probably the other parents thought I was crazy, but I did go on the field and we, I put my, uh, he has a different personality. So I put my arms around him and we just kind of like walked and joked about like, when you get the ball in the middle, I want you to get it wide. When you get the ball why I want you to get in the middle. We kind of walked because I did feel like it was good to give him that information after the game in the exact same context that he was just in. I think that would have helped him. I think that helped him click. So he would not, my son would not, my younger one would not have responded as well to me giving him a piece of paper saying, oh, you got two, three through balls, but you lost the ball. He wouldn't respond that way. My older one responded well to that kind of thing. My younger one responds better to things like, you know, maybe I'll pick him up and and barrel chase him to the wide field here. He, we all laugh and then pick him up again and put him on my back going to the middle and we laugh and put my hands around him and put him over here to the wide area. We laugh. This is kind of his personality. So I'm saying that to say you do need to know your child, but I'm not going to sit up here and tell you it was all peace politically correct because it wasn't there were good days and there were bad days there were frustrating frustrated days and and then it was through all of that that I came up with these things that tried to get this information to my child but in a way that didn't overwhelm them and I ain't gonna sit here and tell you I'm gonna watch my son for these <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and watch my kids in these games and in these practices uh 52 weeks out of the year in some capacity 
and hold this stuff in my head because someone told me you can't give kids feedback. No, that's crazy. What I am going to do is say, listen, what are the big rocks? What are the things that can really help them? And how can I communicate that to in a way to them that doesn't um, frustrate them or drive them crazy? That's worked for me. I don't know if it worked. It, it, hopefully it'll work for you. I know it doesn't work for a lot of parents. And if it doesn't work for you, rule number one is to do no harm. So do no harm there. But if it does work for you, then that's my, my tip to you. And you tweak it in a way that, that helps you and your, your child and your family. All right, guys, this is Neil Crawford, Anytime Soccer Training. Let's get better together. So, so, so what, did I, what did I do exactly? You know, I don't remember, but I just remember you said it before every game and you made me repeat it all the time. <laughs> was that annoying? No, because I was like seven, but, but or eight. Or but like before every game, you would repeat it? Most, most of them, probably. <laughs> He did like a mantra, right? Yeah, like it was a bunch of weird. And do you think that stressed you out before the game? No, I didn't even think of it like that. It just I don't even remember because I was so young that I don't even I didn't even think about that. It was just something that you just said. Yeah. But do you, do you think during the games you actually thought about it? Or uh, probably not much, but I mean, probably eventually. Because yeah. what I'm trying to understand for the podcast is, do you think you would have been doing that so often without that? No, I mean, no. no. It probably did help. Because, okay. yeah. Because what? Uh, I mean, actually, no. Oh, you didn't turn the car on? Yeah, I did. Oh, so the other day I left the key inside and it was locked. That's uh, why I didn't get you.